We're so glad that you're back for the 10th episode, because today we will talk about your fears. Your fears, they steer your behavior, whether you are noticing it or not. Because you will do everything to avoid situations where you might be exposed to them. So it's really important for you that you are aware of what your fears might be. We hope that you will like this episode and that you will learn something new about yourself and the people around you. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with my friend Sophia. Sophia, how are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well, and I'm excited about our conversation today. We've mentioned it a few times, and I want to ask you, we're going to talk about fears today, but I want to ask you, what were some of your fears that you had as a child? The biggest fear that I had as a child, I still have actually, and that is um, walking alone in the dark and thinking that somebody's following me and going to attack me. This is something that I still can't get over. You know what? I have that same fear. That's so crazy. Oh, I I hate walking alone at night. Uh, (laughs) And I think I've instilled that fear into my kids as well. So not a good thing, but... But that's a protection type fear, right? We all have those fears, especially as children. I mean, my kids didn't enjoy thunderstorms. Uh, My kids didn't enjoy fireworks, to be honest. Anything like that with a loud noise was a big fear of those. And so we're going to talk about some disc fears today. And what happens is, you know, we all have these fears as as we're younger. We have these fears that are actually rational because they protect us from something. But as we grow, we seem to develop these behavioral-based fears. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And so if you're listening to us, I want you to think about, like, what do you think your greatest fear is when it comes to your disc style? And maybe you've never thought of that before. Sophia, before we, we, you know, took disc training, did you ever think about fears outside of, you know, the fear of thunderstorms and, you know, someone following you? Have you ever thought of other fears? Well, I think that I was always saying that I had a fear of conflict, which I'm not so sure I have a big fear of conflict if I think about it now, but like nobody likes to fight, right? Mm-hmm. Or it, it, there's not a lot of people who like to having uh, fights with your friends. And so I was like, that is something that I, I was saying, but thinking about it now, I think I am actually... Um, I, I, I don't step out of the confrontation when that happens. Okay, yeah, I don't love that either. And what we want to share today is that each of those disc styles that we've been talking to you about has an associated fear or fears. And we want to help you understand them a little bit better and, and why you have those fears and maybe why those fears show up. Now, I said fears because depending on how many of those dominant traits you have above the line, as we so call it, that will dictate how many fears you have. Now, I don't know about you, Sophia, but people struggle with this concept. When I when I say in a, a workshop or when I'm going through a disc debrief, people struggle when I ask them about their greatest fear. They they either say, nope, I don't have that. Uh, do, you, do you find that you have that as well when you're debriefing your clients? Yes. So sometimes I uh, change the language a bit and say like, what is something that makes you really uncomfortable? Oh, love that. That can also um, describe the fear that they're having. Sometimes when, when are you doing something or when is something is happening to you and you are really 
um, stepping out or feeling that discomfort. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's about awareness, right? It brings us back to that piece of, if you're not taking time to, to really become aware of like, what makes me uncomfortable? What causes me to maybe go into a stress um, area? And, and we're trying to guide you into thinking into those areas, because that is probably where your fears are showing up. And if we're not aware of what's happening when we're in those situations, then we're going to see our fears affect our relationships, our ability to connect with others, our ability to lead, even our ability to take risks and try new things. I know that for me, that was a huge one when my fear is being is being approached on, I'm not putting myself out there and I'm not taking risks. And so we wanna help you so you can remove any limitations you put on yourself when it comes to those fears. Now, sometimes those fears are going to show up, right, in response to something that's happening right there in the moment. But those fears also show up when we think about future situations, when we're stressed based on our work demands or, you know, even I know for myself, if I haven't had a good night's rest or I'm feeling threatened in any way, then I'm going to display these fears. And we want to tell you that they're real, but they're also complex. And so let's get into a few of these fears, Sophia, and, and we're going to start with the D's. And why don't you tell us a little bit about the fear of a D or, or what, in our experience, I guess, what do we, what do we see in our D style friends? Yeah. So the D's, I, I usually joke and say the D's are the ones who say that they don't have any fears, Yeah, <laughs> but uh, they do. And they might have a huge fear of losing control. And they also have this fear of being taken advantage of, something that we might need to explain a little bit more about. So this fear of being taken advantage of means that they are really afraid of being seen as, or being fooled, or mm -hmm. losing a bet, um, or losing a bargain, I would like to say. Um, they are the ones who really don't want to sit there and realize that they have been underpaid for a long time. I think that is that kind of describes the fear of being taken advantage of. You have been giving a lot of yourself and uh, helping out, and then you might just be taken for granted. That is also kind of the fear of being shows that if you're afraid of that then you have a fear of being taken advantage of um what's funny though is that we also see that the d's are the ones who actually can do it mostly themselves yeah and since they have this fear one way of dealing with it is to take as much of the control as you can because when you are in full control Nobody can fool you. Nobody can take advantage of you. And you cannot lose that control that you're so afraid of losing. So it's it's a paradox, right? Yeah. Um, and it's definitely preventing them from building relationships when you have this huge fear. And especially then if you're not even aware of it. What do you say? It's, yeah, I was going to say, it sounds to me like, I wonder if our D friends struggle with trust as well, if this is a fear of theirs. And you and I were talking before we... We went on here today and I was sharing that I think one time I may have struck this fear with with a client of mine because I had done work with him. I had done work with his team. And then all of a sudden when it was going to that next step, I don't know if it was the price or what it was, but all of a sudden it was like 
we're done, ghosted, I'm not talking to you anymore. And I, and I really struggled with that because I thought, did I all of a sudden make him feel like I was taking advantage of him by giving him a price on the next step, which I wasn't taking advantage of him. But I wondered if in that moment, you know, he felt like, I think you're taking advantage of me here. And then and I never heard from them again, which is right. So it's maybe it was all of a sudden, boom, you just, we don't trust you anymore. Mm. And we lost that. Yeah. This is when I, as a coach, step in and say, <laughs> we don't know. Yes, we don't know. <laughs> we need to ask. We need to have that conversation. But yes, I am. Um, it could definitely be the case. And this, yes, that I, I really believe I would love to have a strong D on the podcast uh, where they can explain more of this, like what is actually happening with you when you start to sense that somebody um, is um, fooling you or that you are being kept in the dark. Um, what I can see in the workplace is that the D can get really uncomfortable when they see a group of people that they normally work with go into a meeting and they're excluded. It's like, what is going on in this meeting room right now? I'm not invited. Mm -hmm. I am, I'm not in control of what's, what is happening in that room. They are not sharing information with me. I start to feel that, yeah, I'm losing control of the situation. Yeah. And that is another one of their fears, right? Is they will avoid at all costs that can like losing control in situations. And, and when they feel that that could be happening, when they're losing that control, even if it's not real to them, it is then they can become even more demanding, quick-tempered, even volatile, and, and scary even. I've been in, in positions where now I see it as that's probably what was happening, where that loss of control was, was creeping in. Um, they, they don't want to be in that position. And, you know, because they're so results-driven, and they are such a meaningful part of our team, they help us get results, um, when they feel like they're losing control, then they become a different person. And I believe, you know, I, in the research that I've done, they believe that their value as a team member and their value as a human even is linked to that ability to produce results. So if you leave them out of any um, situation where they're able to contribute to helping the team deliver on those results, they're going to be afraid, right? They're going to you, you've just hit that fear. Mm. And this is why they love working with the S's because yeah. the S is known to be so loyal and friendly and they are um, following through on the things that they are working on. Mm -hmm. And this is something that the D loves. So we know that when the relationship between the D and S is working out, it can be an amazing work relationship. But it can also spill over if one of them is exposing the other one to the fear. So if the D starts to take too much actually advantage of the S or uh, when the S is too afraid of the confrontation, which might not even be there. But okay, yeah. is, uh, I mean, we, we, we need to have a D on the show, that's for sure. Yes, yes. Well, you know what? Let's go to the S. We're going to go a little bit out of order right now because you just mentioned the Let's S. Do it. And so let's go there. And I'm, I have S in me again, going through and listening to these podcasts that we're doing. I really have to switch and apologize to everyone. Cause I think I'm more of an IS, 
but anyway, S is there. Um, loss of security and change are real fears and their fears in my life. And I, it's because of that safety and peace that we so desire in our lives. And so for me, this can show up as being very stubborn and very resistant to new ideas or ways of doing things. Um, you know, my kids will say, you know, that Tessa becomes or mom becomes a little bit of a different person is probably the stress when we have dress up day at school. I have a friend who is so creative when it comes to, to like dress up days at our school. And I just feel like that parent who like, I'm terrible at this, especially if it's like my kids come to me the night before and they're like, mom, we have to make a costume tomorrow. And I'm like, tomorrow, are you kidding me? Right? They've hit my fear because all of a sudden I need to like come up with something and I don't know, it just really triggers me. And, and so, you know, having to make something homemade the night before with limited resources, that is not my thing. Like, that's just not me. But explain here for the people who are, uh, so what is it triggering? What, what fear is that? I think it's that idea of just, um, I, I don't know what it is. I think it's, you know, that again, I, I think it, it ties into the security piece for me and just being able to do those things for my kids, right? Like being able to be that, that parent that can, you know, have everything just so and, and make sure that, you know, they're not going to, cause they get angry with me because it's like, are you kidding me? You can't, you can't help us with this, but I really am terrible when it comes to that stuff. Like, it's just not my thing. I think part of it is also, I didn't have enough time to, to really think into, and then that might sound like a C quality, but it's actually an S. I think it's part of that S because I like the stability. And if you throw something into sort of my day that I wasn't planning on doing and it's last minute, like seven o'clock at night and we need this tomorrow, I am all of a sudden, it. I feel anxious because I, I feel like I didn't have time to really think into putting together a great costume for them or, you know, I didn't have enough time on Pinterest or whatever it may be. And they just throw me really outside of my element. Yeah. You said anxious. Maybe that is something that describes what is happening to the S more than the D, for example, mm. that, um, the, this fear shows up as anxiety instead of something that comes out verbally. Yeah. Uh, maybe with a D, the fear can show up as anger. True. But with an S, it might be something that is going on on the inside, in the chest or the belly or, um, you know, that something is just not feeling good in the body. Yeah. And again, I think it comes back to that relational piece, how the stability in relationships, and I know if I'm creating any sort of anxiety or anxiousness in my kids, like if they're thinking, well, then, you know, my costume's going to be terrible tomorrow and I have to go to school and all these other kids, right? Then I, I feel that, like I feel what they're feeling and part of that is empathy, but I really do. And then it just eats me up. Um, What's so. happening in the workplace then? So you, the first thing you said was get really stubborn and resistant to change. And mm -hmm. me being an I 
this is something that can frustrate me so much in the workplace when I am enthusiastic about a change. Yeah. And then you have a big group of people who are just like sitting there with crossed arms <laughs> and they are so skeptical and they are asking so many questions and they are not convinced at all. And you just want to, you know, uh, move forward with something. And there you have this big group of people that you really need to take care of because yeah they are just not convinced they don't like change and they don't like uh sudden uh, you know the news <laughs> that suddenly comes out that we are going to and it can be anything it can just be that we're going to swap desks or or bigger organizational changes of course are even worse um i remember um from a company where i was working in the past we were going to change premises that was of course a big thing but the thing that were really upsetting for people was uh, where should they park? Okay. Was a big security thing about, and it was not a question of having a parking space or not. They would have, they, they, but it was something that they could talk about the whole day. And I was really um, like fascinated by this, how, how this thing about where should I, where will my parking space be and, yeah. and uh, will it cost me 80 or 90 euros to have that parking space? And, and for me being an I, I couldn't really relate. Today, I understand this better. Mm -hmm. But those things that some people might believe are small, others find very because it it really sets the security for you you want to know exactly yeah what will happen and to be able to to plan for it and to kind of um set, set your security yeah and i think that that stems from their need or their belief that they're only valuable if everyone accepts them if they can please everyone around them and so as much as I think within an S, like with me, I'll want to make changes and I'll want to do things. There's just, I feel like I'm like, but what if this happens? And then what if my family suffers? And what if, yeah, what if I'm not getting paid as much or right there, all of a sudden, the all those security things that I have checked off. What if all, the, all of those things are, are affected by this change? So I don't want to change because you know, then I'm not secure in my position at work, in my finances, in my relationship. And, but what we see often is they'll still go with the flow. So as much, and I don't know if you notice this, but with the S's, their fear isn't always as verbal. They'll almost be quiet. They won't say anything. They'll take on too much. And then they're going to be resentful towards people. They may not tell you that they're resentful towards you, but because you've just done something where they weren't confident enough to speak up, because if I say something, uh oh, this relationship's not going to be as secure. Sophia's not going to like me, or she may not think highly of me anymore. I'm just going to say yes. But internally, now I resent Sophia because she made me do this, but she didn't make you do this. Yeah. Yeah. And what happened that's there is that they lose trust in us, right? Mm -hmm. That's the first thing that goes when the S starts to feel that there's no security here. I can't trust them. I can't trust these people. I can't trust this situation. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
it's interesting um, where, you know, where we were just talking about the D's and the D's may become more aggressive and verbal and, and that sort of thing. What I tend to see, and again, I would love to even have an S on, right? But when I speak to myself, I become more withdrawn. I, I don't necessarily get more um, anxious or speak like our eyes. Our eyes are similar to the D's, right? Where they will become maybe more verbal and they will act out personally as an S. I almost withdraw. Because yeah. all of a sudden, uh-oh, you've just hit a few of my fears and I don't like it. But I also don't want to speak up because that's my fear. It's almost like, you know, reciprocal, I guess. It's, it's a circle. Yeah. You end up in this circle. Absolutely. So the I instead, when the fear hits the I, the I might even start to talk even more. Because mm -hmm. there, they have this fear of losing the... Um, the social approval, the approval from the group. Are people not going to like me anymore? Um, the, the huge fear of rejection that is so real to an eye. I totally relate to that. Um, and some of the eyes, depending then maybe of your second style, some of the eyes coming into that situation, they talk even more. Mm -hmm. Oh, I start to sense that they they don't like me. And, so, and they start to ramble and they start to babble and... Uh, or they're trying to save an uncomfortable situation by talking even more. Yeah. It's uh, also quite funny. Do you have fears as an I? Well, it's funny when you say that. It's like they use their strength of persuasion while they're dealing with a fear. It's almost like their limitations and their fear are going head to head there, right? And it's true. It's like if, if I remember when I was feeling rejected in high school, if I wasn't feeling secure in a, in a friendship, I would overcompensate. I would overcompensate in that friendship and almost like, almost like you're trying too hard to be included. And most of the times it wasn't even that I was being rejected. That was my own insecurity. It may have just been, you know, a conversation and I happen not to be in that conversation, but as the I in me, I felt as though I was being left out. Like when you talked about the D, right? If they see a group of people going off, having a conversation and I'm not included in that, why am I not included in that? Yeah. Right. It's like you have a, we just had Halloween, you host a Halloween party and you send your I friend a text while the party's going on. By the way, Sophia, come on, you're invited to the party. You're going to feel a huge rejection there and go, wait a minute, why am I getting a last minute invitation to this party? All of a sudden you're questioning yourself as a friend. Do these people even like me, right? It's all this, if there's a loss of approval or rejection, then we can become a lot more obnoxious. We can become a lot more outgoing, right? Overly accommodating because we just want people to like us. Yeah, another um, protection that can happen which is actually how I was dealing with things um, a lot when I was younger but uh, I can see it clearly now is that when I started a sense that there might be a rejection going on and maybe it was not at all it was just like what you were saying it was just a group of people uh, having a conversation about something completely different than you think mm -hmm. or that you are in a relationship and you're not really convinced about the uh, um, where you are standing both with a friend or if it's a, a, a intimate relationship um, then 
if I started to sense that, hmm, is there a rejection going on or that I didn't get all the, um, um, you know, the, the, the approval or the encouragement that I needed, I would be the one who went mm. left. I would, I would leave before it could happen to me. So to yeah. protect myself from this, from the rejection that I was fearing the most, I would make sure that I leave before it's even happening. It's like, you reject me? Well, no, I rejected you first. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't want to be a part of this group to begin with, right? Like, it's it's so childish, but it's true to, to really just avoid that. Um, and I think this is what we need to understand wholeheartedly our eyes, and maybe I'll ask you, you know, they believe that their value is linked to their ability to make friends and, and have people like them, right? So I can really understand this fear when you look at it from that position. Mm. And uh, it could also be that you are being rejected, uh, your application is being rejected. Maybe it actually has nothing to do with you as a person it's just that your cv was not good enough or mm -hmm. that uh, somebody else was brilliant yeah. so it had nothing to do with you again but for the eye it's still a rejection it is still this you know they didn't choose me i was i was rejected it, instead of seeing like wow they found the perfect person and it was obviously not me this time yes um, well, it may have been, uh, you know, may have been a C that took your job. We'll talk about the C's, right? The high quality work and that perfectionist nature, all that stuff. Maybe they were just the better fit. But, you know, their fear is going to be criticism, you know, being wrong or being seen as as not right or not doing a good enough job, making mistakes. And it is because of that correlation between they do really high quality work. And so... What I've seen in the C's in my life is they tend to withdraw when when their fear is being hit. If they feel a bit of criticism, they withdraw. They become overly defensive. Um, a comment all of a sudden is a criticism and, and it's not. And so, you know, if you see that, if you see someone becoming overly obsessed in, you know, defending their work or their position, they could be avoiding one of these fears as a C. Yeah. And it can also have a long-term effect that yeah. you are criticizing something now and it's not good enough. And w the long-term effect is that they are not going to, um, you know, it's, they're not going to be motivated to do it next time. They will not be the ones who will um, feel encouraged and um, have the confidence to do it because they have been so criticized. So and and we know that this can really result into somebody turning into this perfectionist, mm -hmm. like when perfectionism is going too far, so it hinders us or it blocks us or that we think that we are never, ever good enough. Yeah, yeah. Because we, have, we feel that criticism. How will I, you know, you are working so hard to avoid that fear of yours that it becomes um you know an obsession yeah that can and, be unhealthy absolutely and again if we you know think of their value they they attach their value um to the competency piece and they are probably the most competent 
of all of us. I, you know, I hate to say that, but they, they really are. And so when I consider this, even, you know, I've, I've shared that my husband, Nathan, he, he has C in him and this is real. I, I really need to be careful and how I say things more so to him, I think than any other style, because the criticism that fear is, is almost like they're constantly looking out for people criticizing them. Like it's, it's like their antennas are like, who's criticizing me right now? And, and everything you say is almost being analyzed through the lens of this fear. It's like they can't just take a bit of uh, feedback as simply feedback because we love you. It's almost like it, it's strange. And again, I don't want to put you in a box, C's, if you're listening. But in my life, the C's, it seems like every thing I say is through the lens of the fear of criticism. I don't know, but do you, do you experience that at all, Sophia, or is it just me? Um, well, I'm, I'm thinking about our kids, like kids in general, uh, in school that what I, I do think what you're describing is true. Um, and this is why we need to be so careful in school. I'm talking to teachers now, yeah. Um, but also at work, of course. But, you know, when you start to realize that you have kids that are, are C-wired, they are going to have those fears as well. And they are still developing. So that criticism, just chasing those flaws, this is something that I uh, am a bit critical towards school where I have my son, that this is such a focus on looking at the mistakes that the kids make like i'm mm -hmm. now talking about in the books and the writing and the math and not um giving them you know the taps on the back and encouragement when they are doing a great job even though okay the great job is expected that you are but but you know you cannot only chase those flaws yeah because that's the only feedback that you give to the kids eventually yeah and the c will always strive for that perfection then mm -hmm. while maybe other disc styles will focus more on the relationship part is the teacher does the teacher like me um do I'm, am i having a good time but the c kids um you, you, i i think there is a risk that you can really make things a lot worse when um already in school you are so focused on the mistakes rather than the job the, the great job they are doing you just actually made me think of something even in school and and work actually that i never thought of before but you know when we talk about leaning into our strengths right um you know there's a myth out there that we're going to grow the most in our area of weakness but it's not true you grow the most in your areas of strength yes and when i think of all the other styles i think that we can understand our areas of strength and we're okay where it's like you know as an i highly relational you know great with people i can connect and i'm a great communicator i don't care about detail i don't care about this right but i wonder if our c's feel like they need to be strong everywhere across the board and when you're talking about being careful with how we talk to them I think it's really important because even to our C's, you don't have to excel in every single area. Like you're not, you're not this superhuman that just is good at everything. And 
it may be more important for our C's to truly understand, you know, if, if you're not excelling in a certain area, maybe that's just not your giftedness and, and it's okay, right? And so if someone's giving you feedback on an area that isn't part of your natural giftedness, to just think like, okay, is this actually criticism or is this just maybe some truth that I can use to, you know, to grow? But I wonder if it's harder for our C's, and again, I don't know the answer to this, but if it's harder for our C's to recognize their true giftedness because they're just, they, they want to do well and excel, I think, all in everything. Mm, yeah, you might be right. Um, they, uh, they're hard on themselves, um, critical towards their own, but they are, can also be quite critical towards others as well. So they, they expect high standards. Yeah. So they expect a lot from uh, themselves and other people. The, um, yeah, to, to protect themselves from their fear. Yeah. Mm. Oh, it's so interesting to talk about fears. Um, I think the most important thing here is that we are having a high self-awareness. Yes. So that fear will always be there to a different extent. Um, the fear can show up in uh, situations where you are really, you know, there's something really suddenly happens and, and your fear kicks in. But it could also be this long um a more state where it prevents you from moving forward it prevents you from doing things it prevents you from maybe building relationships it prevents you from uh, doing the things that you actually dream of so think about how the fear it it, it shows up in your behavior you will have a behavior that protects you from your fear that is how it is for all of us so we will do everything for that fear not to kick in. So if you don't uh, like confrontation, you will make sure that you don't end up in situations where that confrontation might come. So it's it's very it's, it's quite natural in the in the behavior. But the most important thing is that you understand this about yourself. And then the next step is of course to understand the different fears that you have in the people around you. Because then it will be so much easier for you to also understand why they act, react, and interact the way they do. So it's uh, first get to know yourself and then the others. I think this is uh, all we can say about fear today. But uh, as we say so many times, there's so much to say about this topic that we need to get back to this in mm. a future episode. So um, we hope that you have enjoyed this episode and until next time we say continue to discover yourself